Aloha party people, you are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 177. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Tiki Tea, a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar in Los Angeles, California. Come get their house specialty, The Ray's Mistake, for only $6 on Wednesdays until 9 p.m. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. This episode is sponsored by Skull and Crown Trading Company, located in the historic Chinatown district of Honolulu on the island of Oahu. Skull and Crown is Hawaii's premier exotic destination. Enjoy delicious island favorites and classically crafted cocktails in their mysterious tiki room or their enchanted courtyard. For more information, visit them on the web at skullandcrowntrading.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Skull and Crown Trading Co. Today we chat with Fritz Costa, author, professor, and scientist. Learn about Fritz's scientific background, his former life in academia, and hear how he went from being a college professor to becoming a blogger and author, telling the stories of Shag, Tim Biscop, Derek Yaniger, Miles Thompson, and Brandy Milne, in his new book, The Lives of Lowbrow Artists. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider helping us with your support during this challenging time. Stop by DesertOasisRoom.com to check out our merch or leave us a tip. We've got tiki mugs, t-shirts, and pendants available right now. Any purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. All righty. Join us inside the Desert Oasis Room and give it up for the professor, Fritz Costa. Hi, Adrian. Is this the professor? <laughs> well, yes, it is. Uh, it's office hours right now, and I hope you're drunk because I am. Oh, nice. <laughs> so how are you doing, Fritz? I'm doing pretty well, sir. How about you? I'm good, thanks. Just uh, trying to get through this pandemic like everybody else. Oh, I know. I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's making us all... A little psychotic, and it's manifesting itself in different ways. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. different people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that it's it's bringing out the best and the worst in people. Oh, it, it's absolutely. It's interesting to see how some people are reacting to uh, all kinds of things, from having to wear a mask to how they're they're treating their lives, you know, with the way that they're, they're either, uh, they've either 
become very much a germaphobe or they uh-huh. are a- ignoring it completely. Yes, exactly. And um, I think we all kind of need to be in the middle, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, hey, man, I'm, I'm glad you joined the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks and for inviting me. I'm a big fan of your show, man. Thanks. And thanks for sending me a copy of your new book. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still working on it, to be quite honest with you. So I have an older Kindle, and um, it's the battery doesn't hold a charge as much as oh. it used to. And uh-huh. so I've, I'm finding myself having to recharge it more often than I used to. So Got it, got it. Yeah. No worries. I have an older Kindle too, and it's in black and white. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine's not that old, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was a few years ago. I think I was, I think it was uh, Amazon Day or something, mm-hmm. and they were on sale for like thirty bucks. No way. Yeah, they were real cheap, so I bought one. You know, I, oh, I mean, nice. you, you can't beat it, and. It has apps for all kinds of other stuff, you know, like YouTube and and uh-huh. a lot of other things that I use. So it was a good deal. Uh, Thirty bucks is yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I back then I spent a hundred. I thought that was already a great deal, but thirty bucks—that's that's—and you can go online with yours. Mine is just literally a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those when they first came out, uh, the black and white one. And it it's it's okay, it but it's limited with what you can do with it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but I'm happy with the the newer one I have. I don't use it as well as often as I should, but I have an iPad that's newer, faster, and you know. Yeah. Has more and apps I'm, and stuff. I'm kind of like um, in between. Like I'm not a technophobe. Like I embrace new technology, uh, but at the same time there's something satisfying about reading like a physical book too, you know? Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in between. So sometimes I'm on my Kindle. Sometimes I want to pick up something. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Me too. So I, I want to talk about your background because I've been following you for quite a while. Mm-hmm. For our listeners that don't know, Fritz is lowbrow literati. That's right. And I've been following you for years. I've always <laughs> I've always enjoyed your posts and your blogs. And it's crazy because it's everything's written very well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> it comes from a journalistic perspective of somebody who understands the subgenres that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is well, not which is not necessarily <laughs> something that, you know, go hand in hand, right? So what I find interesting is your background and how you got there. So can we tell people your story about that, where you came from unconventionally? Absolutely, absolutely. So I am actually from the science world. Uh, I went to college and I went to grad school uh, specifically for science. My that That is my 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 passion. So I, I majored in biochemistry uh, for grad school. And, you know, the, the dream was to become a college professor. That That's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to, you know, make lots of money, work for a big company. That wasn't the dream. It was just to be a college professor and teach okay. and connect with people. 
right? Where, where did that come from? Ah, oh, man. I think love of Star Wars. Like when I saw Star Wars, I like that was it. I was just into science fiction and I got more interested in science, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's where that came from, you know? Uh, I'll be honest though. I'm not like, you know, cause people read my background and they see my, my list of publications. They think I'm a smart guy. And I, I you know, I mean, I get by, but I'm not the world's best student. To be honest, yeah. uh, I, I you know I'm a I'm a C student, uh, you know, in college, and okay. I improved as you know time went on. But you know, I'm I'm just the average Joe. Sure. Uh, what made you want to be a professor, though? Uh, you know what? It's just like I said, watching a lot of Star Wars. Okay. Watching a lot of Discovery Channel and Jacques Cousteau. You know, and those guys came from like a very academic background. And I, you know, this is when Discovery Channel was still brand spanking new. Sure. And they were like the first channel that just only showed documentaries 24 hours a day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just loved it. And those are the people I kind of uh, admired. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I really like dug into that. And they were all college professors they were you know uh and so so that's i guess where the dream kind of came from right yeah a lot of what those guys do for those channels is stuff that they would do anyway as professors and it's part of their ongoing research of what they're studying in their field exactly and they're not doing it for the money right right? like you know uh, jacques cousteau wasn't doing that so he could be a rich guy he he you know invented scuba and all that stuff because that was his passion right so i i guess i'm I'm driven by passion and i'm a very passionate guy so i wanted to leave my mark on science and like like i'm like i want to make my own discovery i want to contribute something to the science world so that was my um uh, driving force, right? I'm like, that's why I want to become a college professor. Yeah, yeah. What specifically was it that you were drawn to with the science stuff? Was it was it uh, like discovering new types of medicines? Well, is that more like medical field? That's science, though, right? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, the 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 draw to me was like. You know, when you're Jacques Cousteau or you're, you know, Einstein or you're Marie Curie or something and you're working on something that no one else has ever seen, right? Uh-huh. And you're like or, – or let's say you're a microbiologist and you discover a new species of bacteria or whatever. And you're like, man, yeah. I'm one of the first people to see this thing or work on this thing. Like how cool is that, right? Yeah, so yeah. to me, that's the payoff. It's not the money. It's the, the the discovery is the fun. It's funny. When I was in college and I followed the – because I'm just like you. I was a C student in high school, mm-hmm. and I went to junior college first. And I went mm-hmm. on to earn my bachelor's degree and other things down the road. Mm-hmm. But when I was in junior college, I still had that C student mentality where mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, eh, I don't really want to be here, but I have to – <laughs> and I remember looking at my 
art professor ah. and thinking, what a cush job, man. I'd like to do this. You know, he was sitting in an art studio uh, with uh-huh. different different kinds of classes, right? He would do, uh, he, he'd have a drawing class, which I took. He had a painting class, which I took. Uh-huh. And of course, there were other disciplines in the art department, sculpture and that kind of stuff. And it just looked kind of like a, such a low stress, easygoing kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I'd love to do this. You know, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind being <laughs> like a like an art professor. Yeah. Or, you know, and then there were other studies in the campus that uh-huh. seemed equally stress free. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and obviously, I didn't go down that path, but. It's it's interesting how people, the different things that people maybe are motivated by. Science is something that is really interesting to me too. I mean, I'm not somebody that's uh, really like nerded out by it. But you know what really kind of drew me down that path? And I don't know how much of this is science, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Breaking Bad series. Oh, me too. Right? And I could watch... Mr. White yes. and Jesse, just like a montage of them just making meth right. and just selling it on the street. Like, no right. story. That's it. I'm in. Right. <laughs> and and I watch Walter White with what he knows about chemistry. Yeah. And I think, man, I wonder if that would be an interesting field. I mean, they had him as a chemistry teacher, but... You know, people don't think about like the things that we use in everyday life from yeah. car wax to even like ketchup, right? Because that's food a, chemistry. A scientist had to come up with that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like who's the guy who came up with, you know, OxyClean, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he's a millionaire, but that's all science. It, it is all science. I'm so glad you brought up Breaking Bad. Um, do you remember it was an episode where Walter White was working with this other science guy and it wasn't Jesse. It's when he was beginning to become yeah. big time. I forgot his it was, name. It was Gail Bedecker. That's it, Gail. Yeah. Right? And then Gail said something to Walter White and he's like, this working in the lab, working in science is the closest thing to magic you, yes. we can get. Right. And I'm like, that's it. That's exactly it. That's why I got into science. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a poignant thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so as a scientist, how did you end up with lowbrow literati? How did that get started? Ah, okay. Okay. So the goal was to become a college professor, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, you go through grad school and you got to publish papers. You got to make, you know, small discoveries here and there and which I did. Right. And then I, um, I became a college professor, nowhere too fancy, not like Harvard or anything like that. I just, you know, worked at a community college, uh, and I taught anatomy and physiology and I also taught molecular bio. Okay. Okay. And, I I just loved it, man. So I just, you know, to me, I I thought of my class as like edutainment. 
Yeah. Right. It's yeah. education. I'm here to learn something like class and I'm going to entertain you. It's like live discovery channel. It was the professor. Yeah. And I, exactly. I, I was like I when I step into class, I I had a, a character that I put on. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, there were jokes. I would put in jokes in there and time everything. And I just absolutely loved it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now. You know, as as you can see and hear, probably, I'm a very bombastic kind of guy. I'm I'm you know I, I'm loud. I I I you know I, I drink a lot. I mean, I don't get <laughs> drunk in public, but I you know I'm not an introvert. So right? real quick, I'm going to interrupt you about the whole yeah, yeah. I drink a lot thing. Do you remember where we first met? I do remember it was a tiki tea. It was. I, was, I was with my friend Kevin Dia and his wife. That's right. Uh, and then you were you were guarding the door, uh-huh. and Kevin Dia said hello to you, and Linda said hello to you, uh-huh. and then Kevin introduced me to you, and I'm like, and he said, "Oh, uh, this is Adrian. He's Polynesian pop in Tiki Central. This is Fritz, and he's the monitors in Tiki Central." I'm uh-huh. like, "Oh, hey, you're Polynesian pop." <laughs> That's right, the monitors. Yes. Yeah, that's funny. I, I had forgotten about that. The mon- What was Kevin's name? He was Paranoid123. That's right, Paranoid123. Yeah, because he works in IT. Yeah. And he, he's like super paranoid about everything. He doesn't have a Facebook account, doesn't have an Instagram account. <laughs> he's oh. internet security, so he's super paranoid. Well, this was, he was he living in New York already at the time? He was. He was living in New York already. Because yeah. he used to be an L.A. guy. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, exactly. so just uh, just wanted to interrupt you real quick. To see I know, no, no, no problem. That, okay, that so, was a, a fun memory. Too. Yes, go ahead and so, continue. So anyway, so you, as you can tell, I'm like this bombastic guy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not your typical scientist. I mean, in grad school, uh, you know, we would have these biochemistry retreats once a year, which the department like pays for us to go on a on a retreat for like a weekend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all all the weirdos just found each other. You know, it's like, hey, hey, uh, you meet me at the, my room, you know, at this time and we're, we're having a party. And it's just, you know, just lots of drinking, lots of, you know, mm-hmm. um, of whatever right and that's not your typical science guy they're very introverted they're very quiet they're very bookish yeah and like i said i'm not that smart i have enough to get by but it's funny that you call them introverted when you say that the the typical scientist is a person that's like what quiet yes introverted (laughs) um stoic um yeah because that's not the way that the media likes to portray them. Mm. Uh, mm. Like, for example, Doc Brown or it's or Bill like Nye. Larger than life. Yeah, Bill Nye, the science guy. Larger than life. And and who's the guy with all the question marks on his blazer? Uh, what's, um, his, what's his um, name? Beekman's World. So they make them look like these really eccentric... Characters. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's not the case. That's not the case. That's not the case. So how do you feel yeah. when you see that? Do you do you think like, oh, this is just Hollywood fluff? Like this is not really It it, it is Hollywood fluff. Uh uh case in point, 
my boss in grad school discovered, you know, uh, some protein and snake venom that could potentially cure cancer. Right. Wow. So Discovery Channel got a hold of this and they wanted to film my boss. OK. Well, they needed lab people to be kind of doing experiments, quote unquote. Right. Right. So I was the grad student and they're like, Fritz, uh, OK, we want you to we want to film you here doing this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, OK. And they're like, OK, that's kind of boring. Can you zazz it up? You know, can you put like a little red food coloring in that beaker? And can you put blue? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, so there was a little bit of Hollywood in there. And uh, yeah, absolutely. They they fluff it up. They, you know, make these characters eccentric. Yeah. Right. When the truth yeah. is. They're very, very timid. I, I was the square peg in the round hole. <laughs> okay, okay. So back to what you were saying, you would go to these parties. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, you can find, all the weirdos find each other, sure, you know, sure. and, and we, we, we did. And so now here I am. I'm, I'm teaching now, right? I'm not in grad school anymore. And in my class, there's like, you know, music, there's, you know, I, I insert a lot of jokes. I, I make fun of myself. Mm -hmm. I pretend to be absent-minded sometimes. I pretend to be, you know, like uh, like my character, right? Right. Um, and, and so, and the kids love it, you know. Um, and so, but I, I noticed that I was the square peg in the round hole in the department. Yeah. Right. And so now here you go. So you start when you, when you're a professor, you start out as something called adjunct professor. Right. So you're, you're part time. Okay. So you, I, I max out at nine hours a week per college. Wow. All right. Yeah. So I have to work three different colleges just to work full time. Oh. Okay. That explains then, why I okay, have a buddy who's a professor also. And he works at four different colleges. There you go. There that you explains go. why. Okay. That explains why. Because he taps out at nine. Okay. Okay. So, um, uh, when I, um, you know, you, you, as an adjunct, you get the leftover classes. Okay. So the tenured professors, uh, they get first pick. They're like, well, I, I want to teach the Monday, Wednesday, Friday at uh, 11 a.m. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, hey, Fritz, uh, we have the Saturday at seven in the morning. Do you want to teach right. that? I guess so. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that's Friday how they did that. PM. You want to teach? I guess so. Wow. Okay. Right. So that's how you start out as, a, as an adjunct. And I knew that. I, I knew that I had to prove myself. Sure. I knew that I had to work up the ladder and right. I was willing to accept that. Right. So now, here we go. Uh, a tenured professor retires. So now there's an opening. Right. Right. I apply. And they gave it to this other guy. You know, and I, I don't want to get into the politics and I don't want to get into right, sour right. grapes. But basically, I didn't get the job. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, the message was clear that... Yeah, you 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 know, you you're not gonna become tenured. You know, wow. like that was my by that time it was my fourth time applying. Wow. 
Okay. And I'm, I'm now teaching, I've been teaching now for six years. Yeah. And I'm looking around me and I'm looking at the other guys who've been teaching there for 13 years and they're still adjunct. Wow. They're still not tenured. Wow. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be those guys. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I said, well, screw you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to go to industry. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll go work for Genentech. I'll go work for Amgen, some big biotech company. Yeah. Right. I have like papers published under my belt. I have a book chapter published on cancer research. Like I, I can do what you guys do. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I start applying. And, you know, this is how naive I was. Right. And I start applying and I'm like, how come they're not calling me back? Like, I don't get it. Right. Right. Like, didn't they see my resume? Like all those papers I published. And then finally, a friend's dad who works in the industry reviewed my resume. He goes, listen, you know, he goes, your your resume is impressive. I'm sure you're a smart guy. But what's lacking is you don't have industry experience. So you look like a big risk to them. Oh, "Oh, crap. Is that what it is? (laughs) <laughs> I thought maybe so, there was some kind of blackball happening with you because of the university. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's just because I don't have. So academia and industry are like oil and water. They don't like right, mix. Right, right. There's that old saying that those who don't know teach. Yeah. Yeah. I went to tech school in my mm-hmm. uh, later years and the people that were teaching at the tech school were people that for one reason or reason or another left the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. like they were, you know, they were no longer relevant in what they did or mm-hmm. um, some kind of politics that they also had to endure or experience. Mm-hmm. And they ended up in the classroom. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember one of them was there was a whole lecture on politics in the real world <laughs> with, yeah. with his, you know, with that particular field. And yeah. Um, yeah, I found that kind of interesting. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Politics is everywhere. It doesn't matter what sure. is, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but it's, it's tough when you've dedicated your entire life to this thing you want to do and you spent six years doing this thing, and then you realize you're not going to get the job, and you'll never get the job. Right. And then I kind of went into a deep depression. It's like, shit. Yeah. I spent yeah. 15 years of my life studying for this thing. I spent another six years of my life working to this goal, which I'm never going to get now. Right. So we're now at 21 years. Wow. I just wasted my life. Wow. That's what I did, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. 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 So. I kind of went into a deep depression. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but in retrospect, that's what yeah, it was. You recognize it now. I recognize now. Yeah, it was horrible to my family. Uh, I, I, I wasn't a sad person. I'm not a sad depressed. I'm a, an angry depressed. Okay. You know, I take it out on my family, you know? Okay. And, um, and, and, and by the way, God bless my wife for sticking around with right. me. I just, I just want to say that, Deb, I love you. Yeah. I wonder why my wife sticks around with me too. Oh yeah, I know. We're we're just lucky, man. Just count your blessings. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, um, 
Um, I, I, you know, my, my friend's dad, who's reviewing my resume goes, what you need is experience. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I got an unpaid internship at this clinic to get clinical trials experience. Wow. Okay. And so, it was only because my aunt knew the boss. This is like starting over. It's starting over, man. This is it like is totally a, starting a, over. a kid graduating does an unpaid internship. No, it's a it's a forty year old doing an unpaid internship. Oh, oh yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Is that this is yeah. like a it, typically it's a it's a new grad going into an unpaid internship, and yeah. you're doing this after having been a professor for more than half a decade. Exactly. I have a two year. I, I you know I had to swallow my pride. I had a two year old. Uh, I had a mortgage to pay. Yeah. Um, I I sucked in my pride and did the internship, and my boss was a 23-year-old dude wow. straight out of college. Wow. He, he just graduated from Columbia. Oh, no, sorry, not Cornell, Cornell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, in his head, his shit didn't stink because he came from the Ivy League. Right, and I did, right. Right. And he would yell at me like, you know, hey, Fritz, where's my files? You know, it's like, oh, shit, sorry, sorry, here it is, here it is. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you kids like you would be crying in my office, begging me not to fail them. Right. And here I am. I now have to answer to you and take your shit. Right. Wow. Right. And so you can see why I was depressed and why I was taking it out on my family. So again, I was a horrible person. And then one day my wife goes, Hey, so it's been a year now. I've been looking, no job. And I'm doing the internship, the unpaid internship. My wife goes to me, hey, this is your job. Stop looking for a job. Wow. Okay. Just do something fun. Give yourself a break. Stop looking for a job. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, that takes pressure off. Okay. What do I want to do? Right. And I will get back to Kevin Dia and that night I met you. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, my wife and I got married in 2002 and she was in charge of the honeymoon and she's like, Hey, we're going to go to Tahiti. Sure. Let's go to Tahiti. I, I I just know it's far away. Yeah. And beautiful (laughs) and beautiful. That's all I heard. (laughs) So we go there. Yes, it was beautiful, but I literally just fell in love with the Polynesian culture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love their folk music. I love their dance. I love their food. I just fell in love, right? Mm-hmm. So I come back from Tahiti with this, like, you know, passion for Polynesian, anything Polynesian. And then Kevin goes up to me, he goes, hey, if you like um, Polynesian stuff, he goes, there's this bastardized version called uh, Polynesian Pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might want to look into it. And there's this website called Tiki Central, uh, and you know, check it out. You might like it. So you that knew, was it. You knew Kevin before Tiki Central. Yes, I knew Kevin before Tiki Central. Uh, okay. Uh, he he was like a, almost like a college friend. Okay. We didn't go to the same college, but we knew the same circle of friends. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah I have friends like that too. Yeah, and, and, and that was it. I I shag was my gateway drug. 
right? Uh, sticky mugs, uh, and then exo- I discovered Exotica, right? And I'm like, what is this? And then I started learning about like the heyday of tiki, yeah. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want to live in this forever? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And, and, and then, and then, so here, here I am. My wife is telling me just do something fun, and I'm like, well, I like this polynesian stuff and you know this lowbrow art thing i go why don't i like start a blog mm-hmm. and you know just interview artists right yeah i mean i i subscribe to juxtapose i subscribe to high fructose and i love those magazines but i always felt like they weren't asking enough yeah of the artist yeah and i'm like well i want to dig deeper so then I started, you know, just kind of calling around. Okay. And, uh, and eventually Tim Biscop returned my phone call. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a nice and start. Yes, uh, th- th- that is a nice start. Uh, and then, you know, I, I uh, Tim Biscop, you know, kind of talked to me and, and, and uh, you know, I started writing like a, a long blog seven part blog about mm-hmm. his life his influences and his art and you know started the lowbrow literati website and you know no one really visited it um but i didn't care i was having a great time yeah so <laughs> let me ask you a couple of questions so first what was the the driving force for the writing where did that come from Hmm. Were, were you were you someone that enjoyed writing before before no. outside of the science stuff? No. Yeah. So so like I said, I'm like a C student. I didn't read much uh-huh. in high school or college uh, for fun. That is, I mean, I, I read the textbook if you told me I had to read it for the exam. Uh, I was not a, a very good writer, mm-hmm. um, but I. I did take this one journalism class in college. Okay. And I I just remember having a lot of fun during that class, right? Right. And, and again, going back to the science and you asked me what attracted me to science, I was attracted uh, you know, to journalism because here are reporters, journalists or photographers, photojournalists in the front line. And they're really documenting history. Yeah. Right? Uh, If you think of, like, the RFK assassination, it's this very vivid image of RFK being shot in the head. And then there's this Asian butler, like, looking up in the screen and, you know, crying for help. If you think of uh, the Vietnam War and, and, you know, there's, like, this tank and there's this Buddhist who set himself on fire. Right. Right? Like, those are very powerful images and they were captured by photojournalists and journalists. Right. And they were there. Right. The, the writing thing fascinates me because as somebody who did not come from a writing background, mm-hmm. when your wife said, do something fun, I interpreted that, that in two ways now mm-hmm. was the fun. And I put that in air quotes was the fun mm-hmm the writing part or was it the tiki part? It was both. Uh, the, the fun part to me was 
talking to the artists. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I looked up to these people and I'm like, wow, I'm actually getting to talk to Tim Biscop now. And, you know, he's telling me his life story. Um, and then when I record that and I go home and I transcribe the audio, to me, that's fun, too. It's very meditative. Just, yeah. you know, writing everything they they said on paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then now I have to write this thing and I'm reading my notes and what they said. And I'm like, okay, well, when he told me the story, he was kind of going everywhere, but I need to make it into a cohesive story. So that's kind of challenging. So how do I do that? And so that was kind of fun too. Right. Right. Uh, But like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a good writer. I'm just an average student. So I did get help from my cousin who did major in journalism. Okay. And so I said, hey, can you edit my stuff? Because I sound like I'm rambling. And I was. And so she's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll help you edit your stuff. And and throughout the years, I slowly learned the rules from her. And I'm like, okay, well, don't even talk about that because you're rambling and she's just going to edit that out. Right, so don't right. even ramble. Right. <laughs> don't use those sayings because she's going to edit that out so yeah you know talk in a different way so i i i learned how to become a writer but i'm I'm not really a good writer i mean i'm i'm okay i sound smarter because of my editor wow well (laughs) so this is crazy to me because a couple thoughts come to mind the first i've always held lowbrow literati in high regard the writing has (laughs) always been very good It's Mm -hmm. always been very good. And it's been something that I always looked up to that Mm. it it actually was very journalistic in style. Yes. Yes. A a journalist edited. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that's my first thought. I I find that like super interesting considering that you don't come from a background of writing. And Mm -hmm. another thought that comes to mind is your new book, and let's mm-hmm. talk about your new book, uh, Lives of Lowbrow Artists. This book, considering how long you've had lowbrow literati, I feel like this book, it's its so strange that it's only coming out now that that uh, this seems like <laughs> something that you, you could have written with, with some of these uh, other articles that you wrote on your blog many years ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, all, all of this stuff that's in the book was in my blog, and it took me years to to realize that I was writing a book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have a friend who who does run a very successful uh, website, and he he critiqued my blog when it was in the early stages, and he says, "Fritz, what you want is an article that's five hundred words max." Okay. Mm-hmm. People shut off at five hundred words. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, but like, that's not what I want to do. I want to kind of revive right. long form journalism, right? And and then that's when I realized, like, he's right. No one's no one's visiting my blog. My my posts are way too long. I need to post more frequently, which I can't because it takes time to interview and transcribe these sure. interviews. What I'm doing is writing a book. Yeah. So yeah. I. When I realized that, I took everything off the web, and I'm like, I'm going to rewrite this in a 
book chapter format rather than a blog format. That and that's why it took so some time. Ah, okay, okay. So in this book, this is volume one. We mm-hmm. have the story of Shag, the mm-hmm. story of Derek Yaniger, Tim Biscop, Tim Biscop, Miles Thompson, Miles Thompson. That's right, and Brandy yeah. Milney. Right, right. Interesting stuff. Uh, And what's especially interesting for someone like me, I know a couple of those guys, and Mm -hmm. I know a couple of them very well, and I'm still learning uh, new things about them. Ah, I'm glad. (laughs) And, you know, when when you learn something new about someone you think you know well, it's, it's, you know, one of those uh, moments where you're like, oh, wow. And and just referencing back to this whole pandemic thing, I think that I know my friends pretty well. But then, like, you know, some of the things that people have said or posted or done during this quarantine makes me scratch my head and think, wow, I thought I knew them. Right. (laughs) So so talk about the process of putting this book together. Ah, so uh, when I finally realized I was writing a book, right? Like I said, I took everything off the web and just kind of, uh, you know, wrote in my own and just kept it on the side, Mm -hmm. right? And again, uh, by this time, just to kind of set the stage here, I am now no longer an unpaid intern. I eventually did find a job in industry. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, And... So here I am, I'm working in the industry, look, entry level, by the way, right? Oh, and, for, yeah, because you're, you're starting and, over. Yeah, because you have to start over. And, you know, my first year there, I'm like, man, th- this is like secretarial work. Like, why am I doing this? Right. Right. I had the most important job in the world. I was teaching and I was basically doing it for peanuts, Right. All I wanted to do was just pay my mortgage. Right. 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 Okay. Now I have this other job. It's paying more, but I, I feel like it's it's just busy work. It's tedious work. Right. Right. Uh, of course, I was still new, and I I didn't realize why we were doing these things. It's because the FD. It's law. It's FDA law. Okay. Like you have to record all these things. Right. So so here I am. I'm working my first year, and. I decided I'm writing a book. Well, how I have a two-year-old at home. The minute I go home, I have another job, which is being a dad. Of course. Right. What? What? what how am I going to write this book? So I wrote the book during my lunch hour. Wow. Yeah. So, I I'm on break from noon to one. All right. If I write 500 words during that hour, then hooray! Wow. If I write two words, then hey, at least I tried. Right. Well, even if it's two words, it's still forward progress. It's two more words than there were yesterday. before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and think about it. That's like five hours a week, 20 hours a month. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's keeping my mind occupied. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this thing that sure, I'm doing. Sure. Right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm writing the book and then, um, you know, it's slowly snowballing, mm-hmm. right? The minute Tim Biscop said yes, uh, that gave me some street cred. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I I can now reach up, 
reach out to Miles Thompson and go, hey, your your buddy, I interviewed your buddy Tim Biscop. Can I interview you? Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. And then now I have two under my belt. Right. Okay. Uh, hey, Derek Yanniger, uh, you know, I, I just interviewed Tim Biscop and Miles Thompson. Uh, you know, do you want to be part of my, my book and stuff? Okay. So now I'm slowly building up momentum, right? Right. And, you know, eventually I, I, I get the shag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here I am, you know, now I have five artists, five lives, five chapters. And my editor, my cousin, uh, Josephine, is editing my stuff and she's going, you know, Fritz, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, when, when she was in college, she did a semester abroad. Mm-hmm. Okay, which I wish I did. I, I never did. And she spent the semester in Italy. And one of the classes she took was like art appreciation. And it was Renaissance art. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know what you're doing is you're Giorgio Vasari. You know, because that was the textbook I used when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, who's Giorgio Vasari? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, well, he must be some PhD from Harvard or some PhD from UCLA. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I Google Giorgio Vasari, and turns out Giorgio Vasari was alive during the Renaissance. And Everything we know about Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael was because of George of Asari's book. Oh, okay. So I'm like, and then so I, I got curious. I'm like, All right, I got to buy this book. So I, I buy his book and I'm like, holy crap. This he, He's just telling their life story from when they were a kid to when 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 they got older. Right. And he's just documenting their influences, what their parents did for a living, how they got into this art gig thing. Right, right. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm doing. Right. So I'm like, I, I'm like, I want to be the George <laughs> of Asari of this movement. There is, there is no George of Asari of this right, movement. Right, right. Right. So then, uh, uh, you know, I, I, eventually compiled uh, enough chapters to substantiate a book. And now I'm like, well, how the heck do you publish something? Right. 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 So, you know, I started researching and I'm like, oh, well, uh, do you know Shag's book? It's not Shag's book, but his covers on it. Uh, it's like Tiki Road Trip or something. Tiki Road Trip. Where, yeah. Yeah. Where he, the guy documents all these tiki bars and restaurants all over the country. Right. Right. And Shag did the artwork for it. Yes. Right? And so I'm like, well, you know what? Like, that's kind of lowbrow-ish, you know? I go, why don't I approach that publisher and uh, and pitch my book? So I went to their website, followed their instructions. You got to send us, you know, the first three chapters. You got to send us a proposal. And it took like eight hours to compile this stuff. Wow. You know, I had to put my resume and, you know, and who's your market for this. And so I did that. And not just for them, but for other publishers as well. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and just no one quite got my vision. See, that's interesting. That's interesting that you would say that because, like you said, this hasn't really been done before. You'd think that there would be a publisher that was already looking for a project like this. And especially that right? one, right? Tiki Road Trip. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they didn't sell enough of Tiki Road Trip and they're like, yeah, we don't want to go that road anymore. It doesn't sell that many copies. But the argument I was trying to make is like, look, Robert Williams, the person sure. who coined the word lowbrow. Right. Right. And I didn't know that until I read that in your book. Oh, well, well there you go. Thank you. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, just as a side note, I didn't know I realized I was a fan of Robert Williams work when I was in high school. Sure. So in high school, I was in 10th grade and all these kids around me kept on talking about this awesome new album called, you know, called Appetite for Destruction by this new band called Guns N' Roses. Right. And then I'm watching the news at home and there's like angry parents and you know, Geffen Records is in trouble because, you know, the Guns N' Roses album cover is so controversial and hideous. And um, I don't know if you remember, uh, but the Appetite for Destruction album was named after Robert Williams's painting called Appetite for Destruction. Again, I only knew this because of your book. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I didn't know this well, until you. I read your book. So, yeah. Yeah. So we can finish the story. But before you do, I want to stress to our listeners that this is the kind of stuff that's in the book. So yeah. if you want to hear more interesting stuff or read more interesting stuff, they need to pick up the book. But but yeah, this is um. so. So go ahead. Yeah, this is I found this fascinating as well. Yeah. So so here here's Robert Williams. Right. He he paints like this robotic monster mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what it is and then there's a girl on the street you know and her her panties are by her ankle and then there's like this other robot jumping from a fence and you're like what the fuck is going right. on <laughs> but it's I can't stop looking but what is this right right and so he, he he he, you know he's a comic book artist, and he's like, oh, it's lowbrow art because comics are lowbrow, right? Opposite of highbrow, right, right. And so here, here you go. Robert Williams coined this term in 1980s, right, and started juxtapose, and you know juxtapose is now outselling art forum, you know, which is like a. a a uh, journal for the art world. And I'm like, how is it that like juxtapose is outselling out forum? It is basically mainstream now, but no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to document this art movement. That's inspired by cartoons. Right. 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 And again, none of the publishers saw my vision. Yeah. Right. So, um, so did you end up self-publishing? I did. I did end up self-publishing. Uh, and you know what? At first, I was kind of like a little bummed uh, because, 
there's a stigma with self-publishing. Uh, it's it's called Vanity Press. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like, uh, you know, no publisher wanted to touch his stuff, so he self-published just for his own ego. Gotcha. Well, you know, I think that that's changing now, though. Yeah. Because we are in an era now where you don't need an outside party to get your content out there. You know? Yeah, and to validate your work. To validate your work. I mean, there was a time when you needed to have a recording studio record an album for you. To become a musician. To become a yeah, like a paid professional musician. But now people yeah. are self-publishing their music, yeah. and it's not any less valid. You know? No, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, artists needed a gallery to validate that they were a real artist. A real artist, right. Now there's Instagram, and like, sure. you know... Why can't I buy art directly from the artist's website? And you can do an art show anywhere now, and it's acceptable to do. For example, a friend of mine whose wife is an artist, mm-hmm. last summer, I believe, might not even been that long ago, uh, she did an art show at a barbershop in Echo Park. How cool is that? Right? And it wasn't a gallery, but you know, she was out here on vacation, and, you know, they live in Germany and they were out here on vacation. And while she was here, she thought, I want to have an art show. And I want to dis- yeah, yeah, and I want to dis- display my work. <laughs> and she didn't need the quote unquote legitimacy or validity, you know, yeah. uh, of a of a gallery to do this. She yeah. had it done at a barbershop and it's an yeah. old school barbershop that she put all her her art around and they served refreshments and they had a nice mm-hmm. turnout. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you sell your art, you're you're a professional. Sure. Right? right. Right. Yeah. Right. So the artists that you have in this particular volume, have you gotten any feedback from them yet? Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh a, a lot of them have seen the chapter, their chapter before it before, came out. Right. Again, it, right. it was a blog. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, like, I remember the first time I put Tim Biscop's blog up, you know, he, it was nice of him. He didn't have to do this, but he sent me an email and he's like, Hey Fritz, I just really want to say thanks for the amount of work you, you, you put into this. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, um, uh, I'm sure he was flattered. I mean, yeah, it's probably the first real in-depth article that was written about him which means that you were very interested in his story so that that i'm sure he was flattered i i mean i certainly would be and him as a person right yeah right yeah um and and then you know um when uh when i met shag uh you know it was he was nice enough to like um give me a copy of his latest book and kind of autograph it nice and what he wrote in the book was i thought was so funny he's like to fritz uh to someone who knows more about me than me (laughs) (laughs) because i'm sure he forgot a lot of that stuff yeah that's great i have a interesting story for you about shag and i don't know if any of this is in his story at all or if you know any of this Uh uh-huh go ahead 
So the last job that I had, I was in IT and I worked there for uh, almost 17 years. So almost two decades of my life. One of the guys that I got very close with, he grew up with Shag. And so specifically, this guy that I worked with, his brother was one of Shag's best friends. Oh, no way. So they've known him since he was in high school. And uh, they were in a band together. Uh, They were in a band called the Swamp Zombies. Is this one of the Steven brothers? Uh, it's one of the Carey brothers. Oh, okay, okay, uh-huh. And Shag used to do their artwork, artwork uh-huh, for their merch, uh-huh. for T-shirts and, and that kind of stuff. And this was before he had adopted that style that he's very well known for today. Yes. So this co-worker of mine, when Shag really started getting some legs in his art, and this was in the early 2000s, Mm-hmm. He says to me, you know, I have a bunch of his old artwork. And um, he's like, do you want some of it? Because it, like it was original artwork. It wasn't really that special to him, you know. Uh, and I said, sure. So he, he gave me. <laughs> yeah. So I have uh, some original uh, shag stuff and it's signed shag, but it is not in the style that he's very well known for. It's before he's developed that style so I would it's very lowbrow it's very lowbrow and um and like you know he's it's he's got monsters because it was called swamp zombies right it was the yeah, name of the band yeah yeah he's got monsters you know drawn and and um you know it's not like if i showed you this work or anybody this work no one would know that it was by shag it's proto shag basically yeah uh, oh my gosh! Or pre-shag. To me, that's even more valuable because he hasn't even fully formed yet. You, you're just slowly seeing the shag style evolve. To me, like if I knew that, I would have totally put you in the book. You know, it's funny. I is, would have interviewed you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have much to contribute other than that, but wow, that story enough is 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 cool to me. <laughs> I, I mentioned it to Shag once, and this was many many years ago, over a decade ago, and and yeah. Uh, he said, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, so you have some of that? And I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. Like, it wasn't that big a deal to him, you know? He's like, oh, that's oh, cool, you know? Oh. I was like, uh, yeah. So. See, see, to me, I I love, you know, like, we all know Tim Biscop style. We all know Shaq sure. style. We all know Derek yeah, style. Yeah. But to me, like, that period right before they develop their style yes to me that's a very important period in any artist it is and i would love to have artwork from them in that proto phase of theirs and you can look at that in a number of different ways not just for artists but say musicians bands where they're mm-hmm. still trying to find their sound and they're still trying yeah. to find their style and like this stuff, this is, they're still trying to find their style and their look mm-hmm. and their feel. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's still cool art. It's just not it what is. he's known for, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you know what? I mean, like 50 years down the road, whatever, how many years down the road, when finally people realize the importance of this movement, um, and there's retrospective shows. I, 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 as a curator, I couldn't have a show without the stuff you have. 
Oh, Because okay. I need to yeah. show yeah. to the viewer the evolution. The evolution, the yeah. 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 Yeah, true. True. And that's why I would value that more than a regular shag painting. Oh, I yeah, I get it. I get it, especially historically. Yeah, yeah. So this is volume one. This is volume one. How many volumes do you plan on releasing? As as long as people are willing to talk to me, I would like to just keep doing this in my twilight years. Very nice. I mean, this to me is just pure fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I spent eight years of my life, uh, you know, doing this getting paid nothing. In fact, I had to spend money to of travel. Course, yeah, and, yeah. You know, but it, it's so fun. Yeah. It is so fun. Yeah, um, I, I, I can so see how fun. it would be. It's yeah. not much different than what I do with the podcast. And right? I And I really enjoy doing the podcast. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's fun talking to people, learning their story, telling their story. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean... It's the story behind the person. Sure. It's not just about their art. I, I, I enjoy connecting with, with people, uh, w- whether it's on, you know, on the podcast or radio with you or whether it's in person. We're social animals. We need that connection. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's the pleasure. That's to me, that's the payment in all of this. Yeah. Right. If yeah. I can just keep doing this until I retire and then maybe when I retire I can do this full time and interview more people like wow like that would be a blast that'd be fun yeah, yeah. maybe we should do a project together we should <laughs> we should <laughs> so let me ask you do you have volume 2 already lined up in your head do you know who's going to be in that or is that something I, you can talk I, about I, or? Do. I have four people lined up I, I don't want to tell you right now okay. only just because I, I respect that yeah, yeah, but I, uh, uh, I'm I'm waiting on this big fish. Okay, okay. Uh, and I I hope I get this big fish. Uh, um, they said like, well, let's just kind of see how volume one does, and then you know maybe I'll be part of volume two. And I totally get it. I totally yeah, get it. Yeah. Uh, but I really hope I catch this big fish because um, it it'll. It'll pretty much guarantee volume four, five, six, and seven, and whatever. Ah, you know, so yeah. Y- you don't have to tell me who the big fish is, but it, mm-hmm. do you know if it's someone that I know? Is there anything oh, that I can do? So can I help pull strings there? Oh, 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 do you know him personally? Is what you're saying? Yeah. Ooh, I might have to ask you after the podcast because if you do know him, I do need strings pulled. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll help in whatever way that I can. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, man. Way. Well, hey, before we wrap, let's tell people where they can buy the book, mm-hmm. and let's share all your social media stuff, too. Okay, okay. So I am on Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram handle is lowbrow underscore literati. Uh, and then my Facebook, I think it's just lowbrow literati. Twitter, same thing, just lowbrow literati, one word. Uh, my website is lowbrowliterati.com. And, and by the way, the reason I came up with that name mm-hmm. is it's a juxtaposition in words. It's oh, an it's, oxymoron. Oh, dude, and I love it. It's 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 extremely creative. So 
it's an oxymoron. Yeah. And it's got alliteration happening. And, yeah. Yeah. And and it's uh it's 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 basically got the bio written into the title, written In into the name. The name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like how could you be lowbrow, which is a knuckle dragger, <laughs> right. and literati, which right. is well read? Right, like, right. That doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> right? I love um, it. I love it. Yeah. But I mean, in a way, that's kind of who I am, right? And yeah. that's what this movement sure, is. Sure, sure. They paint pinup girls and hot rods and tiki's and mid century modern. But if you read the book, there's a lot more to them than just that. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and like you know. I said, I'm still digging through it. So um, uh-huh. uh, I, when I when I finish, I'm sure that I will give you a call and we will chat about it. So oh, perfect. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, anyway, so my, my website is Lowbrow Literati. You can buy the ebook on Kindle right now on Amazon, and um, uh. If you don't have a Kindle, you can still buy it on Amazon and just download the Kindle app. Okay? Oh, there you go. There you go. And then there is a hard copy being released at the end of the year, correct? Exactly. Oh, hopefully sooner. Oh, okay. So the okay. only reason that there's a hang-up is, you know, Derek Yanniger is a busy guy. Sure. And I am so thankful that he said yes to the project, right? So he sent me the draft artwork for the back cover okay because now it's a it's a print edition there's a front cover a back cover and a spine right so he sent me the draft artwork for the back cover and i'm like love it like let's go with it right uh so if he sends that to me sooner then we could have it in a couple of months or so uh but what i've been telling everybody is for sure december january that's when the the print edition is coming out. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to share your story with us here on the podcast. And I look forward to more stuff from you here. Not, not only volume two, but uh, is there anything still happening with the blog? Uh, so, (laughs) so, going back to our early conversation, the pandemic <laughs> and people, you know, we're all becoming a little crazy, but it's manifesting itself in different ways. <laughs> uh, I think I know so, what you're getting at. So pandemic hit. Uh, now I have to work from home. Right. Uh, I don't get to see my coworkers, can't see my friends. And again, here we go. It's kind of creeping up on me again. Right. Right. Like, uh, uh, like a mild depression, let's say, let's call it. Okay. And, um, but this time I'm a little bit smarter, right? I don't have to take it out on my family. Anymore. Sure. And I, I actually, you have something to do with this. I follow you on Instagram and you, you did this thing like you do a shot and then someone else does a shot. Uh huh. What, what is that challenge called? Uh, shot challenge, I guess. I, I guess, I guess. So I saw you do it, and then I saw Mike from Tiki T do it, sure. and then somebody else do it. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. Yeah. Well, he right. tagged, I think he tagged me. Did he tag me, or did I tag him? I think you tagged him. 
Okay, right. So then I'm like, that looks fun. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm like, I I, I texted my friends. So uh-huh. I created a, like a little video. Okay. And uh, I'm like, you know, I'll make a different. Instead of like just a shot, I'm going to teach them how to make a cocktail and and then – you know, send it to my circle of friends and then, okay, now it's your turn. You make a cocktail and you send it to me. Uh Right. Uh Well, guess what? None of my friends did it. (laughs) 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 But, but (laughs) I'm like, that was kind of fun. Right. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, let's just keep doing this. Right. Uh, Yeah. So then I, I kept on doing it every Friday. I would just keep sending them new cocktails. Right. You know, and then, as the quarantine war drew longer and longer, I just got weirder and weirder, right? right? <laughs> and then I started creating this character. Yeah, uh, I'm like, well, I used to be a college professor. Why the don't professor. I call myself the professor? And I, I'm like, I have this pipe that I don't use. Uh, like, you know, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I have a jacket with elbow patches. Like, right. just start like acting really weird, right? Right. <laughs> And then my friends were now they're having a good time, right? Well, I love then, them. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you might know one of my friends. Okay. Uh, Kevin Updegrove. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Halo Kevin very 9. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he's so been anyway, on. He's been on my podcast. So, I've been on his. We've done swapcasts. Yes, yeah, we, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then Kevin goes, "Hey, uh, I'm sending you something over the mail." You know, just to say kind of thanks for all the crazy right, stuff you right, do. Right. So he sent me some like, you know, um, uh, syrups from BG Reynolds and stuff. So I could like oh, make nice. more different kinds of cocktails. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. Nice. And then I'm like, you know, uh, I, I got a little brave and I'm like, I'll post it on my Facebook right. page and just like <laughs> my friends and relatives can see it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I did that. And then. And the next thing you know, I have aunts and uncles texting me going, dude, your uncle can't stop laughing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you talking like that? <laughs> right. And right. then then I got braver. Right. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to post it on Facebook yeah. pages. Yeah. I'll post it on Adrian's Facebook yeah. page. I'll I love it. I love it. I'll post it on. I love Tiki, you know, and then. People went ape shit for it. Yeah. Right. And you know what I realize is because we're all stuck together, right? And there's no new TV shows coming out. Right. <laughs> no one's filming. Right. And then this weirdo shows up on your Facebook feed, you know, acting real strange and calling himself the professor and, you know, his character has all these keeps saying these sexual innuendos and gets in trouble with the dean, you know. Yeah, yeah. People, people just needed a laugh. Yeah. Well, I love them. Keep them coming. Oh, thanks. Keep man. them coming. Keep you posting know? them on the the inside the desert oasis from group page. <laughs> and and if you guys are not sure what we're talking about, check out the group page for the podcast inside the desert oasis from on Facebook and look for the videos by the professor. <laughs> You'll see them on there, and, and uh, yeah, he's the weird guy with the pipe who talks kind of funny. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and then so, so anyway, so season one is going to be uh, uh, next Friday. What is next Friday? I don't have my uh, calendar. Uh, next Friday here. would be. Let me look here. I'm, I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. 
So next Friday will be the 14th. Okay, August 14th, right? That's when the, the season finale Okay. Uh, of... of uh, Which for our listeners will be this Friday. Yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. You have an inside scoop. <laughs> so, there you go. There you go. Well, we look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so the season finale is going to be this Friday, uh, and um, uh, season two. I don't know when it's going to come out, uh, but at least I can kind of film things uh, ahead of time. Yeah, at my yeah. Leisure. Yeah. Maybe get half the season in before you know co- sure. releasing it, so I'm not up at midnight on a Thursday. Sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so don't worry. There will be a season two. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, lo- lots of more to say, lots of more jokes to come, lots of more cocktails to be had. Very nice. You know? Very nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Fritz, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. me on. It's, I feel... Like I said, I'm a fan, so being on your show is, is like a dream come true to me. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Well, I feel the same way about you. I'm a fan of your work. So <laughs> thanks again for being on the podcast. And for all of our listeners out there, please visit our friend Fritz at lowbrowliterati.com and uh, on our Facebook page. Come check out yeah. his videos of The Professor <laughs> and pick up the new book. Alrighty, Fritz, I'm going to let you go. Thanks again. And uh, we'll we'll, uh, talk to you hopefully soon. We will talk soon. All right. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of the professor there. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Cheers and aloha. Aloha.